Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Well, good morning and welcome today again. I know you've probably been welcomed to death, but that's okay. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're in person. I'm thankful you're not at the beach. Um, because I still like you, the people that are at the beach and they're watching online from sitting on the sand, you're dead to me. Um, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I don't want to be friends with you anymore. I'm just kidding. I would love for you to come back to Canton at some point, but I'm glad you're here today. I have always referred to this Sunday as the sleepiest Sunday of the year. I know that there's a lot of contention with the Sunday that we lose an hour of sleep as well. That's a pretty sleepy Sunday. But I always say that this is the sleepiest Sunday of the year because you're all still kind of in your turkey coma, right? Like you ate turkey on Thanksgiving and then you probably ate it again on Friday and then maybe again on Saturday. Anybody have like turkey and eggs for breakfast this morning? Like you're like, I've just got to get rid of all of this turkey meat. I'm tired of it being in the house. But evidently, I don't know if it's true or not, there's something scientific in turkey that actually does make you sleepy. Now, maybe it's something that parents lie to kids about, and at some point, I'll figure out that that it is a lie. It's like just a placebo effect to try to get them to take a nap on Thanksgiving. But I feel like it's true, and it's real. And so you eat turkey, and you eat a ton of food, and then you're like, I'm exhausted, and I haven't done anything all day but eat. And then you get up on Friday, and you kind of go shopping a little bit, but then you eat turkey again, and you're just exhausted. And then Saturday, you decorate for Christmas a little bit, but you eat turkey again, and you're exhausted. And so here you are on Sunday morning. You got up this morning. You're dreading that real-world life starts all over again tomorrow. You wish you didn't have to go back to work. And not only that, it's going to be freezing tomorrow. And so you got to get up. The kids got to go back to school. You got to go back to work. You don't want to do any of it. And you're here this morning and you may be a little tired. So I've got this water bottle. I told them to give it to me. The real reason I have the water bottle is so I can throw it at whoever falls asleep first. So if it's you, just know it's coming. I've got decent aim. Um, I may hit you in the eye or something. That's not my goal if that happens. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to throw a water bottle at anybody. But I'm glad that you're here. I'm excited that I get the opportunity to speak to you this morning. We've got a ton of great things coming up over the next three weeks. Next week, Pastor Aaron talked about our kids are on stage. Even if you don't have kids, come support them. They love it. The kids absolutely love being able to come on stage and sing for you. And so come to celebrate them, wave at them, smile at them. It'll make their day if you're in the building next Sunday. The week after that, it's going to be a great week because we're talking about the Christmas season. And then the Christmas, the weekend before Christmas, on Friday the 18th and on Sunday the 20th, we are having three identical Christmas services that you get to pick whether you're coming Friday night or Sunday morning. We're going to do candlelight at all three. It's an awesome weekend. Make sure you're here for that um, and make plans to be here. If you're leaving to go out of town that weekend, come on Friday night. That's why we offer it. Kids have school on Friday, so before you dip out of town, on Saturday to go see family or whatever you may look like. Come be with us one of those two days on Christmas. But today, it was a standalone Sunday. Standalone means a lot of times we, we preach in series. And so like you'll see like, hey, over the next three weeks, we're talking about this topic or this verse of scripture. Today was a empty Sunday on the calendar. And Pastor Jeremy asked me if I wanted to speak. And of course, I said, yes, I love having the opportunity to speak anytime, but especially on Sundays that are just wide open Sundays that I get to talk about really whatever I want to talk about. And 
and whatever God's teaching me and whatever's on my heart. And so today I have titled my message, Fight, and I'm excited to dig into a really well-known story that most of us, if we've been around church for any length of time, are familiar with. We're going to be all day long in 1 Samuel chapter 17. So if you've got your Bible, you've got your smartphone, if you want to follow along, take notes in any of those formats. You can follow along in 1 Samuel chapter 17. That is the story, if you're like, that sounds really familiar, that's the story of David and Goliath. And so today we're going to look at this story. But the reality for each and every one of us here today is that we all have an enemy. Every single one of us have an enemy, and the enemy is the same enemy for every one of us, and that is Satan. We all have an enemy that wants to steal from us, kill us, and destroy our lives But the reality for all of us, while we all have the same enemy, our enemy comes at each of us differently. For some of us, he comes out with anger problems. For some of us, he comes out with lies or deception. For some, he comes out with body image problems, some with depression, some with sexual temptation, some with drugs or alcohol or trust issues or gambling, or the list goes on and on. Every single one of us, myself included, face something from the enemy. He knows the way to get at me just like he knows the way to get at you. He knows what sets you off. He knows when you see something that your mouth starts to water. He knows when you are at your worst. And for you, your worst may not be the same as my worst. But for all of us, thankfully, that there is somebody that has the same temptation as I do, that I can talk to, that I can have community with, that I can have accountability with. And so for every one of us, we all have an enemy, but that enemy comes at each of us differently. But there's a story found in 1 Samuel chapter 17 that I believe that if we take some principles that we can find in this story together, that for all of us, no matter the fight we have with our enemy, we can all become better at fighting together. So the first of the seven truths that we're going to look at today of fighting our enemy is that we must recognize that the enemy we face is a champion. The enemy that we face is a champion. Satan's good at what he does, unfortunately. He's good at what he does, and we must acknowledge that. Look at what David said of Goliath, or what was said of Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 4. It said, a champion named Goliath, who was from Goth, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span. Now, that's roughly nine foot six inches tall. That's a big, big man. But what they sent out of the Philistine camp to fight against the Israelite camp was a champion. And for all of us, Satan is a champion. He is good at what he does, unfortunately. We must acknowledge that he is. He wins a lot of battles. Ultimately, thankfully, we know at the end he loses the war and God wins in the end. But along the way, Satan is going to destroy a lot of marriages and a lot of families and a lot of lives And he's good at what he does. And before we can ever fight against him, we must recognize that we have an enemy that we have to fight. And the enemy that we have to fight is good at what he does. And so we must at all time have our guard up and we must at all time be cautious and we must at all time be thinking through the actions that we take and the decisions that we make because the enemy that we face is a champion. Look at what it says here in in verse four. Um, I'm sorry, not in verse four. The second truth of the enemy, of fighting our enemy, is that the enemy is willing to be patient. 
Look at, look at it in verse 4 now. It says, For 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and every evening and took his stand. For 40 days Goliath left his camp. He got dressed in all of his armor and he walked out and he stood in the middle of this and he just mocked. For 40 days, that's all he did. He never attacked the Israelites. He never did anything. And we have to recognize that the enemy is willing to be patient. Look at what it says in 1 Peter 5, 8. It says, be alert and sober and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, we've all probably seen the Discovery Channel special where it's got the lion going through the tall grass, sneaking up onto the gazelle, and then we see the lion jump out and maul the gazelle and take it down and drag it back and feed the whole lion family. We've all probably seen that Discovery Channel special at some point because about every third time through Discovery Channel, that's about all they show. And so when we see this, what we must recognize is that the lion is actually only successful in his chase. One out of every six trips that it goes to try to get a gazelle. But it keeps going back. And so as we're watching this lion have success, we've got to recognize that the lion, who is the king of the jungle, is still only successful one out of every six trips. That means it's going to have five moments that it goes and it chases a gazelle and it gets nothing. And then it's going to do it again, and it gets nothing, and it do it again, and it gets nothing again, nothing again, nothing again, and boom, I finally got dinner. Because the lion is patient. Our enemy that we're fighting is patient. Satan is totally fine sitting in the weeds and waiting on you to mess up sitting in the weeds and playing mind games with you. Because the reality of the Israelite army, all they did every day when the giant came out, when Goliath came out, they all hid. Like that's exactly what Goliath wanted them to do. He didn't want them to come out and fight him. He wanted to go out there and keep tormenting them and playing mind games until they finally just give up and go away. That's what Satan wants from us. He doesn't want us to fight. He wants us to hide and be in fear. And so he will be as patient as he has to be to make that happen. He's patient. We must recognize that the enemy is willing to be patient. The third truth to fighting our enemy is that others will try to keep you from fighting. So David, his dad, sends him to the Israelite camp to take his brothers some food And so he's there and he sees what's going on and he sees that all the Israelite guys are just standing around hiding and they're terrified. And David, this young kid, just says, I'll fight him. And so listen to what his oldest brother says to David when he says this. He says in verse 28, when Eliab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom, do you ha- with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down here only to watch the battle. Man, how mean was this that his brother said? Like his brother is listening to them talk and he gets this anger inside and he said, hey, you're just conceited and you're evil and you're only here to just watch. And sometimes in our lives, There are moments that we get to that there are decisions that we need to make and there are going to be people in our lives and some of them close and as David was here, his own brother that told him, what are you thinking? Why would you want to fight this enemy? You're just conceited. You're just evil to your core. 
There's no good in you. And sometimes people can talk us out of the fight that we know that we need to go and we need to fight. You see, for David, this was, this was within walking distance of his home. His dad sent him walking to take food to his brothers. And in order for that to be the case, that means that it wasn't like across the nation. Like we're not talking that he traveled from Georgia to Texas. Like he just went a short ways. And so what that meant was, is he's probably thinking in his head, if I don't do something about this giant, my house is his next stop. If he gets through the Israelite army, my family and our farm is not far from here. I need to do something about my enemy because, because before my enemy destroys me. And so David says, hey, I'll fight him. And his older brother's like, what are you talking about? What's wrong with you? You're nothing but evil. You're nothing but conceited. There's no good in you. And I think sometimes in our lives, we get to the point where we recognize and we realize I've got to make some decisions. I've got to do some things because if I don't, the enemy's going to destroy me. And I've got to cut some people out of my life. And I've got to stop hanging out with that group of men or that group of ladies. And I've got to stop going to those places or being around this stuff. And I think sometimes when we get to that place, the enemy will use other people and sometimes people that are close to us to say, why would you do that? Why would you stop being friends with that group of people? They've been with you for so long. You're just evil there. You don't need to change anything. You don't need to go and you don't need to fight that. Why would you not continue to go to this place? And I think sometimes we've got to be really, really careful between the difference of who we have relationship with in our lives and who we let have influence in our lives. Because there's a huge difference. There's a lot of people that I have relationship with, but there are very few people that I have let have influence in my life. Because I can have a relationship with a lot of people. You go and you look at my Facebook friend list. I've got a relationship with a whole bunch of people. I got friends on Facebook. I don't even know. But I'm friends with them, right? I have a relationship with them. But just because they post something crazy on Facebook doesn't mean that I got to let that influence my life. Let's bring it a little closer to home. There's some of us that sat around a Thanksgiving table three days ago with people that you need to stop letting influence your life. Because they're making decisions for you and for your family that are wrong. You can tell them, I love you, and I still want to spend Thanksgiving with you, but you're not going to dictate my life anymore. You're not going to have influence over me anymore because I've got to make the right decision for me and for my family to live for God and what God has called me to do. You got to fight, and sometimes meaning the fight means you've got to stop letting other people have influence because sometimes other people are going to keep you or try to keep you from fighting for what is right. If David would have listened to his brother here, what would have happened? We don't know what the end of the story would have looked like. Maybe the Israelites would have been wiped out. Like we don't know. His brother tried to convince him to not go and fight Goliath. And I think sometimes in our lives, there are people that try to do the same. That there is a good fight that we need to fight against a temptation, against our enemy. And people try to talk us out of it. Don't let the naysayers keep you from fighting. The fourth truth to fighting our enemy is that smaller battles prepare you for giant victories. Look at verse 34 and 35. And so David had gone to be with King Saul by this point. David said, But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, I struck it, and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. 
When it turned on me, I seized it by, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Now imagine if David had never fought a lion or a bear. Imagine if he gets to this point and he sees how big Goliath is and he had never had any prior battle instinct. He had never had any other opportunities that he had had to fight something. He probably wouldn't have had the same confidence to say, I'll fight him if he had never fought a lion or a tiger or a bear. Oh my, right? But he fought a lion. He'd killed a bear with his own hands And so he knew that he had done that and God had positioned him in a position where he had done those things so that he would now be prepared to fight Goliath when no other man, the greatest warriors in Israel at that time, would do it. And he said, well, God's prepared me. And so sometimes in our lives, there are things that we're going to go through that seem difficult, but it's God preparing us for greater opportunities in the future to fight our enemy. There are things that I can look back on in my life that I've had to overcome and I've had to go through and I've had to fight and I've had to persevere through that when I look back now, I am so thankful and I say, God, thank you for letting me do that and go through that and experience that because I know that there are things that are going to happen in my life that they have so greatly prepared me for. And I'm more prepared now to fight what God is going to put in front of me at this time. So we must recognize that smaller battles prepare us for giant victories. The fifth truth to fighting our enemy is that everyone else's strategy won't necessarily work for you. So verse 38 and 39, it says, Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around. Because he was not used to them, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. So David is standing here before King Saul. King Saul was a much larger guy than David was. And Saul had had all of this preparing and training, and he knew if he was going into battle, this is how he would go. And so David came to him and said, hey, I'm going to go out. I'm going to take care of this Goliath problem that you have. And Saul's like, well, I don't think you should do that. And David's like, no, I've killed the lions and the tigers and the bears. Oh my, I've got this. And Saul's like, well, if you say you've got it, that's fine. But this is how you should go out. And he puts all of this big, clunky, clanky armor on David. And David, little guy in massive armor, can barely move now. And as he's, as he's sitting here, he's like, Saul, I'm so sorry. I don't, I don't mean to be rude. I don't mean to, to say anything negative about you. I can't go in this. So David takes off all of the armor. And what we can recognize and what we can take away from this part of the story is that we must recognize that not everyone else's strategy for fighting our enemy will work for you. There are things that work for me that won't work for you. There are things that work for you that won't work for me. Here's one of the biggest problems and biggest mistakes I believe that Christian people make out of the goodness of their heart. I don't mean that this isn't like mean people. This isn't people that are trying to lead you astray. I don't mean it in any way, but I think sometimes Christians, myself included, pastors included, one of the mistakes that we can make Someone will come to me. I'm not a licensed professional. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not, I don't have training for that. But people will come to me and they'll say, hey, I'm going through this and this is what I'm struggling with, and this is what I'm facing right now. And I'll look at my own life, 
And I'll look at my own experiences and I'll think to myself, well, this is what worked for me. This will absolutely work for them as well. And I'll start, start laying out this like seven step process to get through this issue that they're going through. And what I have to step back sometimes and recognize is just because that worked for me and my personality and the type of person I am won't necessarily work for them. And that's okay. And so as Christians, and we mean it out of the kindness of our heart because we truly want to help people. And someone will come to me and they'll say, hey, I'm dealing with this. And I'm like, hey, this is what you need to do. This is how you get over this. This is how you get through this in your life. And that's not necessarily going to work for them. And so we must recognize that when we get advice from people or opinions from people, unless this is a trained psychologist that you're going to, and I encourage you to go and to speak with a Christian therapist, they're incredible. But unless you're sitting with someone like that, that is truly trained to help you walk some processes. When you're sitting with grandma or Uncle Carl or whoever or me or Pastor Jeremy or someone who's in your life group or your, your team lead on your guest service team, whoever it may be that you're talking to, you got to recognize that we're wanting to help. And we mean it out of the goodness of our hearts. But there are moments of your lives that you must recognize that what worked for someone else won't necessarily work for you. But here's what I love about David. He was standing there. And before Saul ever put the armor on him, he had to have thought in his head, that's probably not going to work. Well, you know what he did anyway? Tried it on. He put the armor on and he, he saw how it fit and he saw if it would work for him. But then he had the boldness and the courage to say, hey, I really appreciate you giving me this and trying to help me through this but this isn't what's gonna work for me. And I think in our lives, in my life, I've gotta to try to get to a place where I recognize that not everything that works for other people will necessarily work for me. Like there are some people that can wake up at 4.30 and do their Bible study at 4.30 a.m. every morning. If I do that, I'm gonna have so much drool in my Bible, it's not even funny. I just fall asleep. But that works for them. And that's, and that's how they grow closer to God. I'd grow closer in my dreams but I'm not gonna grow closer right there in spirit, right? And so what works for someone else may not necessarily work for you. And then when we're fighting our enemy, we must recognize that other people's strategy won't necessarily work for you. The sixth truth to fighting our enemy is that the enemy just wants to play mind games. The enemy just wants to play mind games. He doesn't wanna actually fight us. He doesn't want us to come and attack him. He wants us to sit and hide and be scared and not want to come out and to hide like the Israelite army, like Goliath's greatest feat was for 40 days, keeping an army full of grown men terrified. Look at what it says in verse 41 through 44. Meanwhile, the Philistine with a shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Go back, throw up just verse 41 right here. This is huge. I want you to, I want you to catch this. It says, meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him. You know what a shield bearer is? 
A shield bearer is a guy who's in the army, who's in the military with him, probably not the greatest warrior. It's the, it's the, strong, it's the scrawny guy, right? It's the guy that just wants to be on the team. And so the shield bearer is a guy that carries Goliath's shield for him and, and stands there until Goliath needs his shield. But notice the wording. It says, meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him. Goliath, nine foot six, this giant of a man, has this entire army terrified when David comes out, has his shield bearer standing between David and him. Why? Because the enemy that you and I face, he just wants to play mind games. He doesn't actually want to battle. He doesn't want to actually go to battle because he knows when we have God on our side, he can't win. And so when we actually fight, we actually win. But so many times in our lives, we let him stand back there and throw these jabs into our mind and throw these sarcastic comments and these negative thoughts and these negative emotions. And we hide and we don't fight because our enemy that we face just wants to play mind games. Goliath kept someone between he and David. He used someone else. He didn't want to face him. And the reality for us is that Satan doesn't want to fight us. He wants us like the rest of the army to hide when he comes out and yells things. And he just wants to get in our head because he knows the truth that the seventh point tells us. And that is this. Seventh truth to fighting our enemy is that the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. This isn't for you and for me to fight. This is God's battle. This is God's opportunity to show up in ways that only God can. Look at verses 45 through 47. This is the final verses we're going to read today. So David said to the Philistine, You come against me with the sword and the spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that there is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. There are some of us today that we need to take this verse and we need to print it out and we need to change some words in it, right? Some of us need to change it. And it doesn't need to say David said to the Philistine. It needs to say Trevor said to the enemy. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin. Call out the actual thing that he's coming against you with. You come against me with anger. You come against me with sexual temptation. You come against me with alcohol. You come against me with whatever it is that you face. Write it down. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the army of Israel. Some of us need to write this out and put our name in there and call our, call our temptation and call our, our struggles by name. And we need to put that on our bathroom mirror. So every morning when we're getting ready, we pray this over ourselves. You come against me, Satan, with this and this and this today, but I come against you with God. This is God's battle. 
This is God's battle. This is God's battle. Some of us, for a really long time now, have been hiding in fear. We've been terrified because we've been looking out in that valley and seeing a nine, six, nine foot six inch giant. And we're scared of him. But I want you to know today is that you've got a God on your side that's so much bigger. And so those mornings that the depression seems to keep you from wanting to get out of bed, get out of bed anyway. The days that the anxiety seems so overwhelming that you feel like your heart is gonna explode, keep putting one step in front of the other. For some of us, the most courageous thing we could do would be to call and get an appointment with a Christian counselor. Someone that is trained to help us walk through some stuff that we don't know how to walk through on our own. And we get some help. And we admit that we're not perfect And we admit that our lives that we put on social media and take the exact perfect angle and that family photo we took on Thursday where everybody was smiling, it didn't show that 30 seconds before we nearly punched each other, right? And we admit that, God, I'm not perfect. God, I'm scared. God, I don't know what to do. But in this moment, God, I'm gonna fight because I know that the battle is the Lord's. I know that the battle is the Lord's. And so whether you need to recognize today that the enemy just wants to play mind games or you need to recognize that everyone else's strategy may not work for you and they're all giving you advice or you may recognize that you're going through some small battles or you face some small battles to help you with this victory or you're recognizing today that others may be trying to keep you from fighting your enemy or you're recognizing that the enemy is willing to be patient or that you're facing a champion. Whatever step you're on today, know that the battle God's. For some of us today, there's some action steps we could take. Maybe we find that Christian counselor and get some help. For some of us today, the fight is to go home and empty every single bottle in the cabinet. For some of us, we get rid of some devices and some opportunities that we've had devices in private moments that we don't need devices in anymore. And we put some safeguards in place and we talk to somebody and we get some accountability in place to keep us from going to places and doing things that we have no business doing. For some of us, we need to figure out how to control our anger or our tongue. For some of us, we're facing some genuine depression or genuine anxiety. We need to get some help to figure out how to move forward with that. But my prayer for you today is that you get in the fight and that you don't sit any longer hiding out of fear of the enemy because the battle is God's. And when we let God fight, God wins. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, first and foremost, the greatest choice that you could ever make in your entire life is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and ask God to join your team in the fight. And so today, if that's you, if you say today is the day that I want to enter into a relationship with God and have him fighting on my side, I just want you to lift your hand. I'm tired of fighting alone. Thank you so much. The rest of us, maybe there is a specific thing that we're fighting. For all of us, there is a certain thing that we're fighting 
Every single one of us aren't, are not without temptation, without struggle. But today, maybe you say, today, moving forward, I want to fight harder. I want to fight for my family. I want to fight for my marriage. I want to fight for my relationships. I want to fight for my kids. I want to fight for my parents. I want to fight for myself. So today, if you're here or you're watching online and you say, I just want to, I just want to fight the enemy because the battle is the Lord's. I just want you to lift your hand. Thank you so much. God, we love you. God, I am so thankful for who you are in our lives. God, I'm so thankful that when we have things that we have to face, God, if we will call upon the name of the Lord, Scripture tells us that you will be there, that you never leave us and you never forsake us. So God, I pray that we would stop hiding from our enemy, that we would stop letting him just throw the spears of hurt and of fear and anxiety and depression and anger and lust and temptation and all of the things. And God, we wouldn't just keep hiding from our enemy and letting him win. But God, we'd get in the battle and we'd fight. God, for those that say today is the day I want to enter a relationship with Jesus, God, just all they have to do is say, I'm a sinner in need of a savior and I want you to come and be the Lord and savior of my life. Scripture tells us all of heaven will celebrate when just one person does that. God, thank you so much for who you are, for the love that you have for each of us. In your name I pray, amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day and God bless.